this will all end, but it's not going to end at once. It ends when we get all the ventilators we need. It ends when we get gloves and masks and spare ICU beds. It ends when we can test everyone who feels sick. It ends when we feel safe going outside again. Right now, Congress is quibbling over what to put in the stimulus package. But one way or another, it's going to happen. Two trillion to tide over workers who are getting laid off, save small businesses from going under and provide some liquidity to large businesses. Remember, nobody in Washington wants the economy to crash and burn an election year. But legislation isn't enough. You know what we really need? We need demand. Demand from real people. And the thing about humans is they need to be alive and healthy enough to shop and eat and go out to big events, something we excel at as Americans. The problem, that can't happen until we have enough ventilators and enough testing to cover the whole population. The lack of those things in surgical masks are what makes the situation so dangerous and dire. Without them, the patient could die and healthcare providers could get sick. The real risk is that our healthcare system gets overwhelmed. People start dying of otherwise preventable things because we don't have the capacity to treat them. So we need to get this done by any means necessary. Hundreds of thousands of lives are on the line, maybe even millions. I know there's a lot of doom and gloom out there. The highest ranking New Jersey health official just this weekend said we're all going to get it. Thanks for that. I think our goal should be to not get it. But failing that, you want to postpone getting it until our health care system has enough ventilator capacity and hospital beds instead of being overrun as much of the Northeast already is. I hear people saying that this could last until late summer, maybe even the fall. But that's on us. If we can scale up testing, and Thermo Fisher this weekend tells me that they're shipping 2 million test kits this week, going to 5 million a week in April, we'll be able to ease the lockdown sooner. Worst naysaying of all, I hear that the People's Republic of China was only able to stop this thing because they're an authoritarian dictatorship with no regard for individual freedom. Democracy, we're told, has no defense against this scourge. And since humans have no immunity whatsoever from COVID, they tell us that our freedom will be our downfall. Wrong. Just flat out wrong. The best responses to this pandemic have come from democracies. South Korea handled it almost perfectly. Democracy. Slovakia has got it under control. Democracy. You don't need to be a dictatorship to beat this disease. You just need to get your act together. We're Americans. We may be an unruly democracy, but we can get this right. We simply have to do the work. We have to enforce social distancing. I see the frolickers out in Brooklyn Prospect Park, Brooklyn Beach, Brooklyn Bridge Beach. It's it's crazy. They're they're going around like there's nothing wrong. And we wonder why it's become the new epicenter of the outbreak. Here's what I want to do. I want to set a date, a realistic date, perhaps June 6th, D-Day, where we reopen for business in this country. But before we can declare victory, we actually, well, we need to win. So how do we win? First, we quarantine everyone over 65. They cannot go out. They are too high risk. They should have everything they need brought to them. If there's a deadline, hopefully we can start manufacturing ventilators and masks with more urgency. Have the president go to wherever they're making them. Please give us some hope here, not just a rancorous press conference or two. In the meantime, we need to set up convenient testing everywhere. Parks, parking lots, vacant shopping malls. We got ours in an empty high school uh, parking lot. There's no cars. There's no high school. Every suburb has one of those. If you test negative, you know what? You should get a badge. The badge should last one week. Then you get tested again. If you test positive, you go home and you stay home. Maybe take a course uh, of some of the drugs that seem to be working and throw in an online course to keep you from going insane from boredom. If, if you get worse... Go to the hospital. Once you get better for long enough that you're no longer contagious, you get your badge and you can go outside again. We've just got to do what South Korea has been doing. Test, 
test, test, and test. Hey, we inspect cars. Why not inspect people? Once you get your badge, you get some gloves, get a surgical mask, then go out and spend some darn money. And once Congress passes this bailout bill, both businesses and individuals will have some cash. But wouldn't it be better to have actual customers? For that to happen again, we need masks and tests and ventilators. we got to be sure you're safe if you go shopping. Restaurants, they're harder. We can practice table social distancing, though. Unless you just want to do takeout, which puts money directly into the hands of the business, allowing them to keep employing people, that would allow about nine customers at my hole-in-the-wall tavern. But nine's better than nothing. At least I think so, since we're paying people anyway. Really, though, what our beleaguered nation needs is a sense of hope. A realistic date would at least give us something to look forward to. However, it's not realistic until the government goes on a war footing and bends over backward to make more ventilators, more masks, more test stations. If we want a second D-Day, we need to get to work together. Congress, doctors. Heck, why not, why not pull 25,000 medical professionals from the military as they have 125,000 of them? Let's get this second Operation Overlord on the road. Okay, Mad Money tonight. My exclusive with the only publicly traded play on telemedicine, Teladoc. That stock's going crazy. And I'm talking with the CEO of Ventas, the healthcare REIT that owns senior housing centers. That stock's going crazy too, but the wrong way. You don't want to miss it. Stick with crazy. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. We know the pandemic has absolutely wrecked the stock market. But even this dark cloud has a few silver linings, stocks that are soaring because they thrive in the new stay-at-home economy. Take Teladoc, the only publicly traded play on telemedicine. Seeing your doctor by video chat is the perfect way to handle the coronavirus. And sure enough, 10 days ago, Teladoc announced a massive 50% week-over-week increase in visits. I'm betting demand has gotten even stronger since then. So it's no wonder the stock has been on fire, up more than 50% since we last spoke to the CEO in early February, including a monster 18% gain today. Can this thing keep climbing? Let's check in with Jason Gorvik, the CEO of Teladoc, to get a better sense of how his company's helping people get well and stay well during this incredibly stressful time. Mr. Gorvik, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Good to talk to you and uh, appreciate your having me on. Oh, of course. Now, Jason, last week after the president spoke, I got an email which just said Medicare now covers telemedicine. And my first thought was, holy cow, millions must have gotten that. So millions must have said, let's call Teladoc. Did that happen as a chain reaction after that email? Well, nothing happens quite that quickly, Jim, as you know, but uh, we're certainly seeing a significant increase in volume and um I didn't exactly expect the president to be talking in a White House press briefing about telehealth. If you'd asked me that a few months ago, uh, I would have said that was pretty unlikely. But it's it's fortunate that we're able to be here for the American people uh, during this crisis. Now, I mean, that does uh, bring up the issue of the surge in demand. You have a fantastic network, but almost no network can handle that level of, of demand, can it? Well, the whole system is definitely under strain, and uh, and we are happy to work with our hospital system clients, 
health plans and others to try to meet the incredible uh, increase in demand. Um, we're really helping in probably three ways. One is to stand up virtual COVID clinics for our health system clients so that they can safely treat members in their uh, local communities. Two is to bring technology to them so that when someone shows up in the hospital, uh, they can effectively treat them without exposing the healthcare workers. And three, of course, is to provide hundreds of thousands of visits to our millions of members uh, here in the U.S. and around the world. Now, you can imagine when you go on Twitter, I mean, the things people say about me and Twitter are so horrible that I've had to adopt the new moniker, Jimmy Chill. But here's someone who said, I understand the unprecedented demand. We are at eight hours of waiting with no idea of how much longer it'll be. You need to do a better job of setting waiting experience expectations in your waiting room. And that's on Twitter from over the weekend. Is that just a, an oddball or is that something you're concerned about? Well, we have uh, people working literally around the clock. The Teladoc Health employees have been working around the clock to activate uh, more physicians, literally thousands of additional physicians uh, to meet the demand. Um, eight hours is certainly an anomaly. Uh, we expect to be able to deliver care in minutes. It's not hours, and that's what happens in normal times. Unfortunately, these are not normal times. Uh, and so what we're finding is that we are able to get back to people. It may be a couple of hours rather than a few minutes. Uh, but actually, I was just looking at data that says our net promoter scores are going up in Ooh. this circumstance because people are so appreciative of having a doctor to turn to. Well, I know how important that is. Uh, it is very hard to have that kind of move. Uh, and that's unprecedented. Now, uh, I did want to ask you, uh, HCQ, the president has spoken about it pretty much as a wonder drug. So, of course, I check in with my doctor and the doctor says, by the way, you can have dangerous arrhythmias. So what happens with someone who says, I just saw the president. I want this drug. And do your doctors say, you know what? Look, there's some side effects. Yeah. So, you know, our role in the system is to identify people who are demonstrating symptoms and have a likelihood of having been exposed to the condition and then get them in for testing. Once they're in for testing, then the local provider who's providing that testing is doing the prescribing of medication uh, if they are confirmed for the coronavirus. Um, So for us, we are stopping short of trying to make prognostications and we leave it to the experts on running clinical trials about uh, about what the right treatment. Oh, great, because I do think that there are people taking want to taking this drug thinking that there's just it's like taking aspirin. Let me ask you something. You have a a mental health, a therapist thing now. All of us are experiencing, it's not just cabin fever. We're feeling a sense of loneliness, okay? Many of us have sent our families packing. Many of us are separated from our kids, from our parents, elderly parents. You're saying, please don't come near me. How do you, can you get a therapist? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We're seeing an increase in demand for uh, our remote virtual counseling services Uh, And, you know, everybody's feeling sort of unprecedented anxiety uh, and that gets heightened in these situations. And so um, we are there for people uh, with virtual counseling uh, where you can remotely connect with a provider. Uh, We have therapists who are waiting uh, and available. Um, And, you know, that goes along with this uh, what is likely to be an extended period of uncertainty. 
So uh, definitely an appropriate uh, time to be availing uh, oneself of those services. That's terrific that you have that. I mean, I, a lot of us are concerned about mental health to the point of suicide. And uh, that is just so valuable that you do that. Now, meantime, you do have an office in Shanghai, which has gone from being uh, a place that people were scared to death to a place where they want to op- want the uh, Disney to open up Shanghai uh, Disneyland again. So, I mean, tell us about what that's like. Is it just kind of back to normal? So we're really, really happy to hear from our team in Shanghai that they are returning to work. Uh, they give us a little bit of insight into what's to come. Uh, And we're also in touch on a daily basis with our teams in Barcelona, in the UK, in Lisbon, uh, and we're really understanding how this unfolds. Um, The team in China is, in fact, heading back to work. Uh, They are saying that things are returning to normal uh, and they are giving us a glimmer of hope for what we can expect in the not too distant future. Well, that's what we do have to hope. Now, I just want to get gauge something in a doctor's office. If one person has COVID uh, and there are many people closely connected and together, would you expect that some of the other people will get the disease? You know, certainly close exposure is a risk. And that's why everyone is recommending at least six feet of distance and social distancing. In fact, for us, uh, over 90% of our worldwide employees are working from home at this point. Right. Uh, it's only absolutely essential services in some of our countries that are reporting into the office. Um, so we are practicing that. And, you know, I, I, I was just looking at a case from a, a, a thank you note from a mom of a seven-year-old girl who was throwing up in the middle of the night and didn't want to go into the emergency room, but didn't know what else to do. And she was thanking us for being there and avoiding the exposure to what is likely in many emergency rooms and urgent care centers around the country. I keep getting the same thing. Finally, has the Chinese government helped you at all in trying to figure out what to do? I mean, I know that uh, the people, for instance, at at, uh, Alibaba are helping us. They're helping us with excess masks. They're helping us with gowns. Has the Chinese government given you any tips? Are things good with them now? We've been working more with the World Health Organization, uh, with the CDC, and with our insurance clients uh, in China uh, than with the Chinese government. Um, And we're fortunate to have an international network of medical directors who can collaborate on these issues. So um, we haven't been working as much with the Chinese government uh, but, you know, I think the, the demand has has shifted forever on virtual care uh, and we're on the verge of a, a new era for virtual care in the healthcare system. Yep, I agree. It's never going back, which is why people tell it's a it's a parabolic move in the stock. But boy, you guys are here to stay. That's Jason Gorbik. He's the CEO of Teladoc. Thank you for being there, sir. Thanks, Jim. This stock and Zoom. OK, those are the two that have re- redefined this year. They have money's back in. Not long ago, America's aging population was a great secular growth story. Baby boomers, big cohort, you get it. And that's why I spent years recommending Ventos, a healthcare real estate investment trust that owns senior housing facilities, medical offices, and R&D centers. But thanks to COVID-19, our aging population is at risk. The virus takes a terrible toll on the elderly, and a lot of people are worried that nursing homes, which, by the way, are in uh, surfet, might not be the safest places for their parents and grandparents during this pandemic. In other words, checking out. 
Once that narrative took hold, Ventas stock got obliterated, plunging from $63 in mid-February to 13 and change at its lows last week. The market was clearly overreacting, though, and Ventas has now bounced back to 23 as of today. At these levels, it sports an outrageously large 14% yield. And if that dividend can be maintained, then this stock could be an incredible bargain. So is it safe? Let's take a closer look with Deborah Cafaro, the chairman and CEO of Ventas, VTR, to get a better sense of how our company's holding up here. Ms. Cafaro, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, thanks so much for having me. All right, Deb, I know you as a winner, just someone who consistently year after year after year generates a great return. This year, it has been an unfortunate time for you. 63 down to 14 bounce back. I want you to give us the narrative of what you think happened here. Well, Jim, uh, you really, you nailed it, really. Our businesses all got off to a great start this year. Uh, we're in five different businesses all in healthcare, all in seniors housing, and we started off incredibly well. Now, all the businesses in the country, including ours, are faced with the COVID pandemic and the related financial stresses and economic consequences of the pandemic. And so we are really doing our best to focus on the health and well-being of our residents in senior housing and our employees. And uh, we believe we're doing a great job at that. But at the current time, you know, there's a lot of fear, as you know, in the market and amongst our population in general. Okay, so uh, in February, uh, you announced that you would do a certain number. This was February 20th. And then in March 17th, you withdrew that guidance, which really did worry people. Um, How do you assuage people? Because who the heck knows what's going to happen? Yes, I I think you're right. One thing that I continually point out to others is that we have a very experienced management team, one that has managed and navigated through incredible cycles and disruption before, whether it was 9-11 or the great financial crisis. And we've always come out very strong. We have an incredible balance sheet and lots of strength and stability at Ventas and uh, we are, that is a, a factor that obviously is among the most important things to be able to manage successfully through unprecedented times like we're in now. And we're using all the strength that we have in our great team and our great operating partners to make sure that we are focused on having seniors, patients, residents, and our employees come out of this unprecedented pandemic in the best possible condition that they can. Okay, so let's say um, I were with you. I know you've got a new person that you like very much has come in. I might say, you know what, Deb, why don't we take a break? We don't know what the spreading is going to be here. Maybe it's going to spread like wildfire. Let's just uh, suspend our distribution for now and come back when things are better. What do you say to someone like that? Which, by the way, because it's a what, 1.2 billion. I mean, that's not an unreasonable thing to do. I dealt with two REITs this weekend that I was horrified that they did exactly what I just mentioned. But they said, what else should we what else could we do, Jim? So how do you say to people, listen, uh, I'm going to pay it when maybe some people feel you should suspend it? Well, as I mentioned, we're in a very strong and stable financial condition. Our board just declared our normal quarterly dividend last week. I think we want to understand the full range of potential consequences here. 
And there could, as you know, be an upside surprise in terms of duration, a scientific cure. Uh, there's lots of financial uh, support that's being provided by policymakers. And so I think there is a lot we don't know yet because we're in a strong financial condition and we understand the dividend's important. Our board made a decision uh, to declare the normal dividend and uh, we will continue to be responsible to all of our stakeholders. Deb, why, why did the, the, uh, the glut never end? I mean, I thought that you and I had talked. There had to be a certain point where there would just be uh, not too many beds, but not enough beds. But it never happened. Yes. Yes. Well, as I mentioned, our businesses were all off to a very good start this year. We were very optimistic. Uh, we saw some of the highest demand in senior housing that we had see ever seen. Uh, we know the population is growing and the growth rates really start to kick in in 21 and 22. And as I we've talked, the supply was delivered in advance of that. So we really believe that the uh that the absorption and the demand for senior housing would over time really go in our favor. Right. And now right. we're, we're really faced with this unprecedented pandemic. And that's really what we're focusing on. Do people go visit their parents? You know, Dr. Fauci has been saying it's somewhat ill-advised to do. And all I can think of is all these poor, nice people in, in Sunrise. And Dr. Fauci says you, maybe you shouldn't visit them because you could you could injure them or, you know, fa yes, fatally. Yes, that's a, that's a very good point, because our seniors are our are, are most important um, asset within our communities. And we own over 700 senior living communities that the likes of Brookdale and Sunrise and Atria and other um, really qualified care providers operate. And most of those operators have adopted best practices and or are required by government authorities to limit visitation right now to only essential wow. visitors. And in most cases, those are really employees who are being screened daily uh, before they enter the premises. And most family visits in many cases are significantly constrained, again, all in the interest of protecting our senior population. And what did you think when you read what happened at that terrible incident in Washington state where, a, where so many people passed away? Yes, I mean, every death of a senior, every death of any individual in this terrible pandemic is a tragedy. And we, we our hearts go out to them and their families. Sadly, seniors are susceptible to this. And all I can say is every effort of our team at Ventas and every effort of all of our partners who are the care providers is really dedicated toward the health and safety of those seniors. OK. Anyway, Deb, you know, I wish it were better time. So thank you, of course, for not dodging us and coming right on because that's Deb Cafaro. I appreciate it, Jim. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And stay well. Absolutely. That's Deb Cafaro, Chairman CEO of Ventus, who comes on in tough times. Markets and turmoil starts right now.